Welcome, everyone. You're listening to Truth in Christ Radio, a Bible teaching radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Rochester with Senior Pastor Rob Kellogg. But God shows Hannah. He saw something in her, a humility, and we're going to see that tonight. And we're going to see the great strife that she went through to bear one of the Israel's most significant men in all the Bible. Samuel would also coronate Saul and also the same. He, he would anoint David as king. Thanks for joining us today on Truth in Christ Radio. Today we learn of Hannah's dedication to the Lord and how she turns her sorrow over to her Almighty God. Hannah was in bitterness of soul and great anguish, yet she did the right thing. She took those bitter and anguished feelings to God honestly in prayer. Hannah began her prayer by calling on the Lord of hosts. She felt attacked by her rival, so she called on the Lord of mighty armies to be her protector. We who are born again also have the same privilege to call on our Lord during hard times. Now let's join Pastor Rob. Let's open our Bibles to 1 Samuel. Last week we started in 1 Samuel And we had an introduction, and I won't repeat any of that tonight, but let's look at the first seven verses. We're just going to read those quickly, and then we're going to get into verse 8 through the remainder of the chapter. I love uh, Samuel. It's one of my favorite books in the Bible uh, for many reasons. I love uh, King David. I love reading about his life, and certainly uh, the book of Samuel is not just about David. It's about the life and the ministry of Samuel, which we're, we are looking at first and foremost in these first initial chapters. And then we get into the, the reign of Saul, uh, Israel's first king, and then we get into King David and his life. And that's really where most of the book is going to focus on is David running from for his life from Saul, a very jealous king, and we'll see all of the different things that David went through until finally he is coronated king after Saul's death at the very last chapter of this book, and then in uh, the first chapter of Second Samuel, we see David finally, after being on the run for so many years, finally being coronated king in Hebron, where he reigned for seven and a half years, and then he continued his reign um, uh, in uh, in Jerusalem over the entire nation of Israel. In Hebron, he was seven and a half years just over the tribe of Judah. And then finally he goes to Jerusalem where finally the all of Israel acknowledges him as their king. And so we look at the beginnings of this very first uh, gentleman that we see on the scene 
Samuel is certainly at the forefront of all of this. It speaks of his birth and, and the things surrounding his birth and the things that his parents went through. And we learn of them and we see Hannah's wonderful declaration, uh, not only in her song of praise to the Lord, but also the, the, the very many difficulties that she encountered during the time that she was married to Elkanah and the persecution that she endured over Elkanah's other wife, uh, Penina. So we'll see that. But let's read the first seven verses. We'll get right into chapter 8. It says, Now there was a certain man of Ramathaim, Zophim, of the mountains of Ephraim, and his name was Elkanah, the son of Jehoram, the son of Elihu, the son of Tohu, the son of Zuf, an Ephraimite. And he had two wives. The name of the one was Hannah, and the name of the other was Penina. And Penina had children, but notice Hannah had no children. And this man went up from his city yearly to worship and sacrifice to the Lord of hosts in Shiloh. And also the two sons of Eli, Hophni and Phinehas, the priests of the Lord, were there. And whenever the time came for Elkanah to make an offering, he would give portions to Penina, his wife, and to all her sons and daughters. But to Hannah he would give a double portion, for he loved Hannah, although the Lord had closed her womb. And her rival also provoked her severely to make her miserable because the Lord had closed her womb. And so it was year by year when she went up to the house of the Lord that she provoked her and therefore she wept and she did not eat. And this is such an amazing event and it's something I think people can relate to. You know, just seeing how it says twice in these first seven verses that the Lord had closed up Hannah's womb. We don't always understand why God allows these things in our life, but they're, they're part of our walk with him. They're part of our growth. If everything went really well, very rarely would we grow at all. But it's through the hardships, it's through the difficulty, it's through the tribulations of life. That's really where the, our faith is really met It's where the rubber hits the road, so to speak. It's where our metal is tested. And God um, reveals himself in so many wonderful ways. And I'm really thankful for times like that because isn't it true that when you have only good days, when things are only going well for you, you have nothing to compare them to, and then all of a sudden, after several good days and you have one bad day, you feel like the, 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 the rug is being pulled out from underneath you. But the fact that you have many good days, I believe, is a very great grace of God. Very few of us see horrible days. Most of us, perhaps, many of us. I mean, I guess it's all relative, but we see really good days, and then occasionally we have a really bad day. We have something in our life that rocks our world. And God uses even those things to mold and shape us. He uses those times to really challenge us because without the challenge, I very rarely would grow. I know that of myself. I I don't grow unless I'm ground to powder, unless I'm challenged in some way that really forces me to find out really what I'm made of. And I don't know what I'm made of until I go through those things. And unfortunately, none of us do. I like to talk a big game. Actually, I don't really talk as much of a big game anymore. Because I'm more aware of my frailty, I'm more aware of my old man. And so therefore, I don't 
spend a lot of time boasting about what strength I think I have. I'm more aware of (laughs) how frail I am. But I'm thankful for even when God brings difficulties, because he does, he refines us. It's the only way. Do you understand? So for those of you who are like, you know, I've been a Christian, and all of a sudden all these things have come upon me. Yes, being a Christian is not easy. Anybody who tells you that the living a Christian life is a piece of cake is not telling you all the truth, because it is the most blessed time I've ever had. It's the greatest time I've ever had. I've had more joy and more fun since I've known Christ than any other time in my life because there's something about being joyful when you're really free and you know you're free and you can really have fun and you don't have to feel guilty of the fun. Before Christ, every fun I had was riddled with guilt because it wasn't good fun. It may have been fun for a season. The Bible makes no mistake about it. Sin is pleasurable for a season. Otherwise, we wouldn't attract to it like flies to flypaper or a moth to the flame. There's something about the old nature that just gravitates toward that thing that gives us instant pleasure. It could be a relationship with the opposite sex, or it could be drugs, it could be alcohol, it could be the thrill of winning money at the dog track. Whatever it is, it always attracts us. But God has a better plan. He's got a better way. But we notice that Hannah, that God had closed her womb. We don't always understand that. And I love the fact that it says God did. Why would a loving God do such a horrible thing? (laughs) Well, guess what? He was refining Hannah. He was going to do something in her life. Did you ever notice that as we go through the book of Samuel, after this first chapter, actually after the first several verses, we don't hear of Penina's name ever again in the Bible. It's not there. You can look for it. I did. You won't find it. Any of her kids. Does God hate Penina? No, he doesn't hate Penina. He loves her. She had issues, just like we all do. Doesn't mention their children any longer. We don't hear any more about them. But there's one child from Hannah that we find out about because he would be the one who would not only be the last judge, because remember, we just came out of the book of Judges, this time of great failure and lawlessness, and now we're getting into... Uh, you know, this, this time where just before the monarchy begins, and Israel's still in a pickle. They still have issues. But yet God closed her womb. He was going to do a work through her. Her son was going to be famous. And isn't it true, sometimes the, the, the greater the work that God wants to do, the greater preparation he has to do in us in order for him to accomplish it? I think that's true. God's going to do something, if he's going to use your life in some great way, he's going to prepare you. He can't do it any other way. He can't take an unprepared vessel and do something great for them, for they would receive the glory. They would touch the glory. They would think that they had something to do with it. But God has a wonderful way of of using a person's life and preparing him for whatever that work is. And he cherry-picks those individuals. And is that fair? In today's economy in today's world people would say that's just not fair why would god choose samuel why didn't he choose somebody else why did god choose isaac why did he choose jacob why did he choose david and why didn't he choose me god has a way and god's plan is perfect but god chose hannah he saw something in her a humility and we're going to see that tonight And we're going to see the great strife that she went through. 
to bear one of the Israel's most significant men in all the Bible. Samuel would also coronate Saul and also the same. He, he would anoint David as king. And what I also think of what a great responsibility and what a great thing that is, I also think about what a great thing it is that Samuel was brought to Eli, the high priest in Shiloh. And the Bible is going to tell us in the second chapter, which we'll get to next week, that Eli and his sons, especially his two sons, Hophni and Phinehas, uh, they were not um, good men at all. In fact, they were idolaters. They were fornicators. They did some horrible, horrible things. And Eli just kind of turned his back to his sons. He didn't correct them at all. And what a gift Samuel must have been to Eli and Hophni and Phinehas, this young boy. Do you know when he got there, he was just weaned as a baby. He was probably five years old or less. After he was weaned, he brought to these gentlemen to serve in the temple or serve in the tabernacle for the rest of his days. That was what Hannah's promise to the Lord was. Can you imagine the influence of this young man who had a heart for the Lord? And it came a point, and we'll see this as we get on, that God began to speak to Samuel, no longer the high priest, Eli. And why is that? Because Eli was not listening he was allowing his sons to continue in their fornication, totally turned a blind eye to what his sons were doing, but yet he saw this young boy who had a heart for him. And God was going to do amazing things through him. And so, so it says that year by year, verse 7 here, that um, they went up to the temple, or the, I keep saying the temple, but I mean the tabernacle, this mobile structure that was just uh, made of animal skins, a very mobile temple, if you will. They call it the tabernacle. And then look at verse 8. It says, Then Elkanah, her husband, said to her, Hannah, why do you weep? Because remember, she goes up and her rival, it says in verse 6, her rival provoked her severely to make her miserable because the Lord had closed her womb. And so it was year by year. They went up, and she provoked her. And so Elkanah finally says, Hannah, why do you weep? Why, why aren't you eating? Why is your heart grieved? Am I not better to you than ten sons? And I have to ask the question, Elkanah, where have you been? <laughs> where have you been, Elkanah? Year after year, this has been happening. It's been right under your nose. Haven't you been paying attention, husband? It's interesting that Elkanah seemed to have been oblivious to this contention right under his nose. How could he have been so oblivious to this when there was so much strife in his home? Was it because the ladies, maybe they kept it discreetly between them? Maybe Penina would never do this openly in front of Elkanah. Maybe she was all nice and spice when they were all together at the dinner table. And then when they would go into the kitchen after he was sleeping or, or, or resting in front of the television... Penina would look at Hannah across the room and, get, and you know, and, and, and chide her. We don't really know, but tension in the house. Was he, was he completely oblivious to it? How could he be oblivious to it? He evidently didn't see it. And men, we need to listen to our wives' hearts as much as we listen to their voices. For had he really listened to her heart, he would have inquired long ago, what's wrong? What's going on? He would know what was going on between her and Penina. 
He didn't inquire, and he's confounded. Haven't I been to you better than ten sons? Why aren't you eating? What's wrong? Why the long face? But husbands, we need to listen to our wives' hearts. Do you understand? More than their words, or just as much as their words. My wife can tell me things, and I love it when she does, because I'm a thick-headed guy. Most guys are. Anybody thick-headed? Raise your hand. If you're a man, raise your hand, because you've got a thick head. Okay, great. We got that settled. I love that when she communicates with me. That I can understand. Communi- well, sometimes. I shouldn't say that, because she can say the same thing over. What? Right? And the, but... I need to listen to what she says. I need to be aware of what she says. But more importantly, she can say something. And guys, you know what I mean. If you're married, your wife can say, you can ask her questions. She'll say, okay, honey, it's okay if you go go do that thing with your friends. That's okay. It's your, your, your only day off. And, uh, but yeah, feel free to go play golf. Yeah, go go ride your bike with the guys. It's, it's your only day off, and you know my daughter, your daughter, and I have been waiting. But you know, by all means, go, and uh, you know, really have a good time. I really pray that you wipe out. I mean, I pray that you have a really great time and that you're strengthened after your surgery. Most wives wouldn't be like that cunning, but you listen to her heart more than you listen to her words, or just as much as you listen to her words. And evidently, Elkanah was out to lunch. He wasn't really listening to her heart. And yet, the Bible says that he loved Hannah. It doesn't say that about Penina. And there's only one word in the Hebrew, word, in the Hebrew language for love, and it's ahav, or ahava. And it encompasses everything, love. The Greek language separated love you know, based on different words, depending on the type of love. In our culture, it's the same thing. We call it love, but in context, we understand what love means. I love my car, but I also love God. Big difference between the two. I love my wife, but I also love lobster. You understand there's a difference in context. Same thing in Hebrew. One word. Ahava means love. And he loved Hannah. Why wasn't he paying attention? It wouldn't be right, but I can understand why he wouldn't be aware of what Panina was thinking, what she was going through, because he didn't love her as much, perhaps. But he was very happy because she was the only one who could give him sons. And in that culture, that was a big deal. For a woman not to be bearing children was a sign of God's curse upon you. And so everyone would look down upon you. What's wrong with you, woman? But guys, just because we're the head of the home doesn't mean that we have it all together and we can't learn. We must listen to our wives. Listen to them. The mark of any leader of any kind is humility. If we can't be humbled, if we can't be taught, if we can't learn, there's something really wrong. God doesn't use a man who is just a, a you know, a Hitler type of personality. He's not going to use a man like that. He's going to use a man who can be teachable, who's humble, who can be corrected. And sometimes the Spirit of God will use our wives when we have stopped listening to him, men. When we have become too big for our britches or when our heads have become too big, God will speak right to us. He, he often does that, and he will use that. He'll do, use any means to get our attention. You recall that when Abraham and, and Sarah, Sarah couldn't have children, so she gets the bright idea of having Abraham go into her handmaid, Hagar, 
And finally, Hagar bears a child. She has Ishmael. And the contention between these two women became so great that finally, it says in Genesis 21, verse 8, the child, Isaac, he grew and was weaned, and Abraham made a great feast on the same day that Isaac was weaned. Now, all the promises of God were wrapped up not in the child through Hagar, but through Sarah. God had told her that she would bear a son, and it would be through his seed ultimately, that the kings would come from. And God made great things out of Ishmael and his line. Great kings came out of him, dukes. God didn't just throw them away like some trash. God doesn't do that to anyone. He sees everyone the same. He loves all of his creation. But he has a specific purpose and plan for certain individuals. Doesn't mean that he loves one more than the other. He has right to do that. But notice what happens in verse 9 of that chapter. It says, Sarah saw the son of Hagar, the Egyptian, whom she had born to Abraham, and scoffing. So we see another contention. Isn't polygamy wonderful? <laughs> to see two people in the same house fighting, and, and it always happens. That's why God never uh, sanctioned it. He, he tolerated it, but he didn't say it was a good idea at all. From the very beginning, it was supposed to be male and female, and they too shall be one flesh, and let no man put asunder what God has put together. That was his original plan, but man has other ideas. But notice what happened when she saw the Ishmael scoffing. Therefore... Sarah said to Abraham, cast out this bondwoman and her son, for the son of this bondwoman shall not be heir with my son, namely with Isaac. And the matter was very disappointing in Abram's sight because of his son. He really did. He loved Ishmael. From, at this perspective, he thought that this is going to be the heir that God, was, that God had told him about, but God had a different plan. But God said to Abraham, do not let it be displeasing in your sight because of the lad or because of the bondwoman. Whatever Sarah has said to you, listen to her voice. For in Isaac your seed shall be called. And yet, I love this grace of the Lord and, I, and for Ishmael. He says, yet I will also make a nation of the son of the bondwoman because he is your seed. But notice, listen to her, Abraham. <laughs> this is another area where Elkanah failed, just like Abraham failed. Do you think when, Ab- when Sarah came to Abraham and says, you know what, God made us this promise, but I'm too old, I can't, I'm past my childbearing years, but look at this cutie over here from Egypt, Hagar, go into him. I wonder what the inflection of her voice was, and I wonder what would have happened if Abraham was keen enough to say, you know what, Sarah, I know that you would allow me to do this, and I understand why, but I'm not going to do it. Because I'm hearing your words, but your heart is telling me something different. And the Holy Spirit would say amen to that. Sarah made the mistake. Abraham made the mistake. And the result was a mistake. It doesn't mean that God didn't love him. We already saw that. God was going to use Ishmael and do wonderful things to him. And he had a decision to make whether to follow God or resort to evil. And we know what happened. He chose the darker path. In 1 Peter chapter 3, it says, Husbands, Peter speaking, he says, Husbands, love your wives and dwell with them with understanding, giving honor to the wife as to the weaker vessel, and as being heirs together of the grace of life. And why? That your prayers be not hindered. That means if you don't dwell with your life, don't dwell with your wives with understanding. If you don't give honor to your wife, your prayers may be hindered. Isn't that not what it says? Why should we try and twist it and spiritualize it to mean something else? 
dwell with your wives according to understanding. Elkanah wasn't doing that. And this word understanding is gnosis. I'm sorry, that's all the time we have for today. But please join us next time as Pastor Rob continues our study in the book of 1 Samuel. Calvary Chapel of Rochester is located at 2503 Browncroft Boulevard, Rochester, New York, 14625. You can reach us at our church office between 9 a.m. and 4 p.m. Monday through Friday at area code 585-586-3140. If you would like to have an audio CD of today's message mailed to you in its unedited form, simply mention today's date when contacting our church office You can also contact us via the web by logging on to www.calvaryrochester.com. There you will be able to access a number of useful things such as information concerning our beliefs, our ministries, contact information, our location, service times, and much more. You can also download or listen to the radio and sanctuary messages free of charge from the teachings link at the top of the page. To listen to Calvary Chapel of Rochester's sanctuary messages or Truth in Christ Radio on your mobile device, just subscribe to both through Google Podcast or Apple Podcast. You're also invited to join us on Sunday and Thursdays through live streaming of our services and Bible studies. Just click on the online services link on the website. We're so glad that you could join us today. And if there is any way that we can bless you with your walk with Jesus Christ, please don't hesitate to call our church office. Remember, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And for this cause, I have come into the world that I should bear witness unto the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. May God bless you in abundance today as you walk with him. And until next time, this has been Truth in Christ.